Welcome tonight to eConnect. I'm so glad that you have joined us, and we are really excited about the subject this week. We have been talking about leadership in crisis. And of course, after this interview tonight, we invite you to connect with your small groups and to discuss the principles that have been talked about tonight. We want to be more than just hearers of the word, but we want to be doers of the word also. And what a great chance to be able to connect with your friends and those that are in your small group home friendship format so that you can connect electronically through Zoom video conferencing or through watch parties, Facebook messaging, however it works for you. We just encourage you to connect with your friends and with your family and to discuss these principles and share. I know you'll be blessed. Well, we are so excited tonight to have our special guest, Pastor Raymond Woodward. Pastor Raymond Woodward pastors the great uh, Capital Community Church in Fredericton, New Brunswick. He's a very much sought after speaker, uh, preacher and teacher all over the world and especially in North America. And uh, he is also a person who has a tremendous presence on the internet. In fact, I was looking at YouTube, uh, Brother Woodward, and uh, you've had more than a million views of your messages, your teaching and your training uh, on YouTube. And we are so glad that you have uh, joined us tonight. So welcome, Pastor Woodward. Thank you, my friend. It's an honor, Brother Myers, to be uh, with you for this session. It's a great privilege. And you forgot one thing, as you were so kind in introducing me. I have had the privilege of of ministering at Eastwind. So that should have gone at the top of the resume right there. Oh, you're so kind. What a great church. You're so kind. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do for the kingdom of God. Uh, Your understanding of the word of God is, is so revelatory and amazing and recently uh, brother woodward taught uh, a series on discipleship uh, here at Eastwind. it was such a blessing and one of our our favorites and we we love and appreciate you so much uh, you. pastor That's woodward good. but i just wanted to uh sort of jump into this and maybe we can just unpack this a little bit about you know what it uh what it means to lead uh in the midst of, of a crisis like this there's there's so many different aspects of leadership that we look at and we study and of course the Bible is the roadmap, but when we look at biblical precedent uh, for leadership in crisis, what jumps out to you? Uh, well, a, a couple of things. Um, first of all, it, I, I was ready to begin a series <clears throat> on the book of First Peter, um, and I hadn't noticed this, but when this crisis hit, um, we ended up doing a midweek series. We're still in the midst of it. I think I'm doing part five tomorrow night. Um, Actually, tonight, because we're, we're recording this before. Um, and and, and the, the scripture that jumps out, and this is kind of how my brain works, I guess. The scripture that jumped out was when Peter says uh, to the disciples, scattered. You know, in, in First Peter, he's writing to a group of churches. Uh, you talk about social distancing. They've been scattered all over the five provinces of, of Asia Minor. So um, I, I, I got into that series, but that's kind of one of the things that jumped out at me at the very beginning of this is, you know, we're all feeling scattered. We're all feeling isolated. We've been doing everything from stay-at-home orders to self-isolation to self-quarantine to whatever our different governments are calling it. Um, but we really do have it uh, quite easy compared to these first century believers. They didn't have modern travel. They didn't have social media. They didn't have so many things that we do. And so they felt this isolation on a, a pretty consistent basis. And uh, so, so that's one of the scriptural things that just hit me very uh, strongly at the beginning is, you know, we're not the only ones that are feeling isolated. The scripture speaks to that. And it's amazing how scripture I was teaching this past week, you and I know, and all of the, the, the wonderful Eastwind folks listening know that there's been, you know, different uh, pastors, churches that have kind of pushed back very uh, hard against, you know, government restrictions. You and I, our, our feeling is let's cooperate, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's be part of the solution, not part of the problem. That's kind yeah. of our, our catchphrase here. And so we've really made a diligent effort to do that. But that being said, uh, it's amazing how the Word of God, I was teaching last week, and there's just been something in the media about yet another church and yet another pastor that defied something. And 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 so I, my starting scripture, picking up in the middle of chapter 2 last week, was, you know, submit yourselves to kings and governors and honor the king. And, right. you know, it, it's amazing how a 2,000-year-old book can just wade into... Uh, 
to to our current situation. Um, and and there's another thing, but we'll we'll get to it. But that yeah. was one of the things that jumped out at me at the very beginning. Yeah, you're right. You you mentioned that is the relevancy of the scripture in modern times. It doesn't seem that, it doesn't matter what it is that we face. It seems like there's always that parallel, and, and the Bible gives us this this clear roadmap. You know, and we were talking a little bit before we started recording about how much different Canada is yes, where you're at uh, in terms of uh, America in terms of the restrictions. And you guys are, are much more restricted in what all you can do in terms of yes. meeting and all. So is it more difficult uh, to find a biblical precedent in terms of obeying those that have a rule over you uh, in a Canadian culture? Or is it easier? It, no, it's a <laughs> it's a challenge. And, and, you know, one of the dynamics that I've dealt with here, because the government has been um, you know, and, and we're all trusting at this point. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm going to believe uh, as long as humanly possible that they're doing all of this stuff for our good. I, I'm not right. pushing back in that way. But but I have noticed among some of our volunteers, uh, because we're very restricted here, our, our restrictions right now, as you and I discussed before the call, is, you know, 10 people in the building at any time. So you can have a maximum of 10 uh, broadcasting a service. That's a pastor, uh, a worship team, all your tech people. It's 10 or less in the building at any time. Uh, we haven't had the privilege of you as you've had of doing drive-in services. So we just finally got that permission on Friday, but the permission itself was so restrictive, only 50 cars, um, on your property anywhere during a drive-in service. So that wouldn't even do a, a fraction of our church. And so, you know, we really do, are feeling that. So, again, I'm trying to honor those that have rule over me because I expect that and I teach that. There always can come a point. It came with the apostles in Acts uh, chapter uh, 4. Uh, the, you know, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. So, if you read what happened there, they address the elders, the council, with great respect and honor. But when it comes to preaching the gospel at some point, now I'm not having debates about whether we preach the gospel online, in the building, in a drive-in service. If we're preaching the gospel and they haven't prevented that, I'm still good. Right. But at some point, there does come a point. It came in the book of Acts. It came in, uh, with Daniel's friends. It came with Daniel himself. There comes a point when you just say, uh, if you're preventing me from serving God, or if you're preventing me from preaching the gospel, now I'm going to uh, overrule that principle with a greater principle. But so far, we're, we're good. But I, <laughs> we're... we're uh, we're good, but I'm frustrated. That's just yeah. a pastor in a time like this. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of speaking to, uh, you know, camera, distant cameras in an empty room and hoping it gets through. That's not a big deal. Now, I know you normally travel every week and you're speaking somewhere uh, every week. And has all that been shut down? All of that has been shut down. So things like this, you know, I've kept busy. I think this week. In addition to doing a couple of our, we, we've got three services a week, a midweek and a couple on Sunday. So I'm doing two of those. And uh, I've got a couple more events the next two days. So like I'm doing four online things in the first three days of this week. So somebody said the other day, you know, um, are, are you getting lots of rest? Or I said, I need to get back traveling so I can. <laughs> so I can get a break. I preach more at our church than I have. <laughs> I don't know how long. It's uh, no, been amazing. I, I can relate. Uh, well, I, you know, it's it's interesting to me, and you were talking about this a little bit earlier with uh, the series that you started, but, you know, it's interesting. We were looking at the Gospels on Sunday, and we were talking about how that Jesus uh, showed up to the disciples. They were huddled in a house, and they were in fear. Uh, the Bible said they were in fear of the Jews. And Jesus showed up in the midst of it, and uh, he showed him his handprints. Of course, this was after the crucifixion, but before the ascension and uh, after the resurrection. He showed him his nail print hands. He showed him his side. And then the Bible says he breathed on them. So <laughs> he would have been There's violated. There's a verse for today. <laughs> he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Ghost, you know. So, you know, when, when we look at Jesus, we think, well, you know, he did. He did say to obey those who had rule over you, but yet he was somewhat of a, a revolutionist also, yes, you yep. know. So uh, when you look at the, the leadership uh, paradigm of Jesus, how do you relate that to where we are today? 
You know, Jesus is, uh, of course, that's why we see what we see in the apostles. Jesus is um, firm in his mission, firm in his conviction, firm in his ministry, but he's gentle with individuals. And I think that's the thing. You know, we have to distinguish between the individuals that, you know, we were talking about government, our, our wonderful medical professionals. We're so grateful to all of them. You know, they're trying to protect the populace. I, I think politics can't help but get in the mix somewhere when there's politicians involved. But I, I really attribute good motives to all of these people. Um, but, but, you know, there comes a point when you have to distinguish between ministering to that person. I think we always need to give an answer for the hope that lies within us with, uh, what is it, uh, meekness and fear or something like that. In other words, with respect for them right. um, and, and also with a humble attitude, a humble spirit. And, and so, in fact, that's something Peter said. And, and so um, we have to distinguish between those individuals that we want to be able to maintain a connection with, minister to, and the government systems or whatever that can get politicized and can get co-opted to actually, you know, kind of put down, persecute, limit, restrict the church. I can't say that that's going on, that there's some sinister plot. Again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do think that that what we see right now I think one of the concerns of, of probably all pastors is, you know, wow, this came out of nowhere and really shut so much of our ministries, our churches, our services down. What if it was another kind of situation? I, I think that's the concern for pastors. And, and you know, one of the, the big questions I've been asked repeatedly over the last several weeks is, you know, is, is this part of the end times? Is this the end? Is this a sign of the end and whatever? And I've tried to answer consistently there because I think so many of these things are, are signs of the end because the, the Bible tells us that the signs of the end are like labor pains. As we get closer to the end, we see more and more. They happen more and more frequently with more and more intensity. Right. So is a pandemic a sign of the end? Yes, because you have pestilences and plagues and whatever. Is uh, conflict, war a sign of the end? Yes. And we've never had more ongoing conflicts simultaneously in the world, you know, than we do in our generation. Um, all of those things are um, nation shall rise against nation. That's ethnos shall rise against ethnos we've never seen more ethnic tension than we have today and it's so it's not that it's never happened before there was ethnic tension in the old testament but it gets more intense more frequent and closer together like labor pains and so i do think this plays into it somewhere i don't have that all figured out but here's my concern brother myers is that um i was here at ccc it wasn't called ccc back then but i was here at this church as an assistant pastor in the 80s I was here during the time of the first Gulf War, and I remember this vividly. Uh, all of a sudden, when that conflict unfolded, you know, overnight, you know, they do the first air raids, and all of a right. sudden the world is just in, in a panic, anxiety everywhere. Our church filled up. It was When I say packed, I mean packed. People we hadn't seen for years, people we'd never seen. They're there every service, just hanging on everything that's said and praying and crying and weeping in the altar. Here's my concern. As soon as that conflict came to a near resolution, it wasn't even over yet. Now, these are people that CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, has got a microphone in their face out on the church step um, saying, you know, what do you think? And they're, oh, Jesus is coming. It's, it's the end. It's, you know, these are people that, like, they just freaked out. Three weeks later, we never saw him again. Wow. And, and so my concern here, the Bible says, at an hour when you think not, that's when the Son of Man cometh. So, so one of my concerns here is, if we do get through this, we will get through it. But when we get through it, I should have said. Right. So if that's June, if that's July, if it's August, whenever we get through this, um, that, that slack off. Right now is a key time in the hearts and the minds and the spirits of people, both in the world and in the church. Because I think if we get past this, uh, everything kind of just, whew, it just, we ease off again. And to me, that's a more dangerous prophetic time than when the whole world is buzzing about something and they're aware. I think the, 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 the thing we've got to watch for is that we don't 
adopt the, the attitude of the world. Right now, we're very restricted as to even, you know, we can't go to hospitals, we can't go to nursing homes, we can't go to food banks, we can't go to anything right now. So we're very limited here in Canada, and you've got a few less restrictions than we do. My concern is not so much this time. My concern is what do we do when the restrictions lift? You know, oh, good, we can finally go back to our church and to our services and to hear our pastor. No, God's trying to set us up. Uh, you know, like it's like he's pulling a bow back and, and, and he's pushed the whole church. Because although God doesn't cause disease and pandemics and curse and sin, and what, that's all part of, of, of the sin of Adam and Eve in, in Genesis. But God can use all those things. And I feel like right now God's pulling back the bow, uh, the arrow of the church. And and, and we've, we feel like in so many ways we're stalled or we're stymied. But boy, when that arrow gets let go, I think we should be prepared to just surge forward in all of these ministries that right now we're saying we can't, we can't, we can't. Well, boy, we better be prepared and be preparing during this time. And I think that's really important. You know, as we talk about leadership, and certainly I view the church as being a leader in culture, uh, as well as uh, politics and economic cycles, other things that you talked about. But if we look at it in terms of the church, and we look at what our posture should be as a, as a leading part of our communities, what do you see the church doing uh, during this pandemic that will have a positive, long-lasting effect, even after the scare is over, as you mentioned? Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I had, I'll say it this way, I wish I had as good an answer as you have uh, in Palm Bay because you have more freedom to do, you know, everything from, uh, you know, drive-in services, uh, distributing food, uh, whatever. We really, this is a very frustrating time because we're extremely restricted. However, what we're trying to do is, is develop some things um, you know, we can't have more than 10 people in the building. And typically it ends up being very similar people because we're trying to, to keep the, the risk down of, you know, having different people mixing up teams. We're, we're trying to, to really be diligent on all of this. But what we're trying to do right now is prepare some, uh, you know, some online things. We've done more online than, than we normally do. Um, our online presence, you mentioned uh, a, a couple minutes ago, but, you know, we've, we've quadrupled our normal monthly output of people interacting with our own stuff. Um, whether that's views, we don't really, and no, no, this is not a put down, but we really don't pay a lot of attention to Facebook other than the interaction on Facebook because Facebook views can just be somebody scrolling by, but YouTube, they actually have better diagnostic tools. I don't even know how to do this, but our team tells me that, you know, if somebody logs onto YouTube, they're basically staying for the majority of the service, typically, not always, but, but typically Facebook, they could just be scrolling by. So you have to do some real work to figure out who actually watched like a whole service on Facebook, but YouTube is, has gone off the charts. And, um, you know, it's just amazing to me. Um, you know, we're up, I I don't even want to, I had these numbers the other day, but I I don't want to misquote, but I do know it's about four times, uh, the number of viewers we've gone up. I I do remember this number. We've gone up like 11,000 subscribers in the last, uh, four weeks or, or a couple of weeks. I can't remember, but in, in the last short period of time. And I think one of the great things about right now is Hollywood shut down. They're not producing anything new. They can't the church, like what you're doing this week for, for your church and far beyond the church is producing more and more resources, little tiny churches that had no online presence have been forced to develop it. So I think that bodes really well. Now, some of it's not going to be uh, long-term. As soon as they get back to the building, they're going to drop it. But I think a lot of those churches, um, especially those that have seen baptisms or people filled with the Holy Ghost or connected because of this, I, I think that is going to uh, really bode well going forward because I don't think they're going to drop that when we uh, come back. So um, that's where I feel like we're trying to, to do uh, things. We're also just... 
Um, you know, you've been in a construction project. Uh, we've tried to get all that. We were in the middle of a construction project in our youth wing. So we're trying to get all that out of the way so that when we get back, we've got some new resources. We've got some new skills on the team um, and, and whatever, because we really are, I think, I think we're not quite comparing apples and oranges with the restrictions. We really are like shut down. Uh, I mentioned this to you uh, before uh, we, we began today, but uh, you know, they, this just happened. We're six weeks into the pandemic and just on Friday, they finally said, okay, you can um, have two homes now that can visit each other before you couldn't, you couldn't go to anybody else's home uh, for any reason. So on Friday, it's like, you can now go to one other home. It's not interchangeable. You pick your home. So if you've got four grandkids or six grandkids or eight grandkids, it's like I saw on one of our members forums this morning from the church, one of the young ladies, she said, uh, somebody was asking, you know, who's your bubble? Cause that's what they're calling it. Cause you're keeping two houses in a bubble to protect them. Uh, so the question on the forum this morning for our church members was, who, who's your bubble, you know? And she said, well, I'm not the favorite child in my family, so I'm not in anybody's <laughs> bubble yet. It's like, that's pathetic. But, but when we're limited, and here's the thing I think I'm trying to remember, is when we're limited, although I don't believe for a second God caused coronavirus, I, I believe that's part of a sin-cursed planet, but God can use it. Right. And I feel like God has put his church in the secret place right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like God is teaching us things about what can happen in our homes right now. And I really feel like God is saying, uh, you know, while you've got this time, I, I told the church the other night, you know, we've been saying for, for months, some of you people, um, I don't have time to spend a lot of time in prayer, spend a lot of time in the word. We'll, we'll tell that to the Lord now. Yeah. Um, he just arranged for you to have a lot of great time. Wow. That's so good. You know, one of the things we've seen, as I'm sure you've seen uh, with your church, is that, you know, everybody kind of having to hit the pause button during these weeks has been a great time for people to connect with their family, to slow oh down. It's I tremendous. mean, we've played more board games. We've had, you know, more family conversations. I've got as you know, you know, teenage sons. And we've That's had this amazing. great time as a family to just slow down and really to develop uh, a stronger relationship with each other and with the Lord. Do you think yes. part of this the Lord is using for for Christians to really strengthen their personal relationship with God? There is absolutely no question about that. You know, uh, part of my statement the other day to the church was, you know, while you're home, I'm glad if you can get some housekeeping done, spring cleaning, clean something, build something, do whatever you want to do. But but don't just sit home and binge on Netflix while you're home. Binge on the word, binge on family time, binge on prayer. Like, you know, that's that's very, very important. So, yeah, I do feel like God is using this to, uh, you know, you used a great phrase there to press the pause button and say, you know, here, here's what it is. Uh, you're my people. Um, here, what are you going to do now that you have your time? Yeah. Because that's the big excuse today. I don't have time. That's the big excuse. Well, God just kicked that one totally right out from under all of us. <laughs> right. You're so true. That's a, you know, I was thinking, I, I know you're a great student of the word. And I was wondering, you know, when you look to the word of God and you look to what the Lord is saying to us, all of us in our spiritual development, uh, what do you think that the Bible is speaking to us very directly about during this season? To, to answer that, I want to, I referenced it earlier. I want to go because there was another scripture that hit me so powerfully. And this was, I flew home. I had a couple of meetings and flew home uh, the weekend that I, I got home early. On, I, I flew from Toronto to Fredericton early on a Sunday morning got here too late for that service, but somebody else was preaching and I preached that night and that weekend while, uh, while everything's like shutting down around me, by the time I get home, uh, they're starting to institute quarantines for anybody that had been flying. I just got in under the wire on that. Um, and, and, and God really just, uh, and, and like the verse I mentioned, first Peter one and one to the saints scattered, you know, that's just, that's a throwaway verse. But it just came so powerful to me. But the other verse was, um, greet the church. This is Romans 16 and 5. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. It's a throwaway verse. 
But that verse, Brother David, that just, it hit me so hard um, because the early church, um, they did not have church buildings. We all know that, but we forget it. And so, you know, they met in the streets, but the streets could turn into hostile territory very quickly. They met in the temple. But again, that's not a Christian temple, a Christian church building. That's a Jewish temple. That could turn into hostile territory very quickly. So my challenge uh, is that, scripturally speaking, is we get fascinated with the big numbers at the beginning of the book of Acts. We like big numbers. So 3,000, 5,000, and we forget because some people hardly ever read past the first couple chapters of Acts. Right. You know, we forget that most of the book of Acts is one-on-one conversations where uh, maybe one of the apostles, one of the, the Christians, one of the seven deacons, somebody is talking to somebody else, and it's an influential person. Uh, people like Crispus, people like Apollos, uh, you know, and, and that person gets one to God. Uh, the Apostle Paul, great example. That one person gets one to God, and the church just takes these leaps forward. The point that God drove so so forcefully home to me is, is the church, the word church uh, is only mentioned 18 times in the book of Acts. Not one time is it ever referring to a building because they didn't have those buildings. It's right. referring to the body of people. So our buildings are relatively shut down right now. The church is not shut down. Prayer is right. not shut down. Worship right. is not shut down. Preaching is not shut down. So the church is not shut down. But here's the flip side of that that I had never noticed, and it just hit me so forcefully. The word house is mentioned 39 times in the book of Acts. And almost every time, there's a couple of exceptions, but almost every time it's referring to the place where the early church prayed and preached and, uh, you know, they, they would witness to neighbors. They would baptize people. Paul was baptized and received the Holy Ghost in the house of Judas when Ananias came. Um, it's, it's just amazing. So I went through the book of Acts and I, I preached a message called House to House. And, and I went through the book of Acts, and it's just every instance where something happened in a house. You and I are sitting here today because in the household of Cornelius in Acts 10, the Holy Ghost first fell on Gentile believers. There would be no Gentile Christians if Acts 10 hadn't happened. But Acts 10 didn't happen in a temple or in the streets or in a church building. It happened in a house. You go through the book of Acts. It's amazing. And that's what I feel God's saying right now is, okay, you're, you're shut out of your buildings right now. You're in your house. It's awkward. It's uneasy. You're not used to being home. As much as we love our families, we're not used to being home, cooped up in a house. And, and from what I'm discerning from our conversation today, even before we came on the call, is that you know we've had a little more serious restriction we had a couple of weeks here uh where it was just like i mean you you go get your groceries and that is absolutely it you're done after that it it was really uh really very restrictive and so you know we've like you we've enjoyed uh you know just the 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 pause button and all of that but i really feel like god is saying how apostolic would the church be if you were confined to your house? If that's where church happened for you, because that's what's going on right now. Are you just going to watch it as a spectator, watching your pastor preach to a camera in an empty building? Is Are you just going to kind of watch that while you're eating breakfast and, and, and flipping through Facebook and playing a video game or, and half paying attention? Or, or can you have church in your house? Can somebody receive the Holy Ghost in your house? Can somebody have a home Bible study with you in your house? Can somebody be prayed through? Can somebody receive a miracle in your house? Because if you look at the record of the book of Acts, that was their battleground, was the house. When Peter gets set free from prison, he doesn't head for a church building. There are none. He heads for a house where they're praying for him to be released from prison. And that was the the big message that in the book of Acts, greet the church that is in their house. What does the church, and I'd say this to all my Eastwood friends that are listening to this, what does the church in your house look like? I know what your church building looks like. I know the capability and the anointing and the vision and the burden of your pastor. But what does the church in your house look like? Because if we have strong uh, relationships with God at home, 
the church just goes crazy with revival. But if our homes are weak, then pastor is, is, is limited because every week he's got to prop us up, pray us through, get us encouraged. And, and so the church that is in your house, that's huge to me right now, brother Myers. Wow. Wow. That's so good. It's so important too. you know, one of the things that we do here at Eastwind is we have a, uh, a group of men that I mentor each year that we call Joshua's Men. And, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, since we're talking about leadership in this uh, series that we're doing this week, you know, we talk a lot with these men about being the priest of their homes, to, of yes. being leaders Huge. in their homes and how, how important that is. Uh, what do you, you know, we've heard a lot of new terms through this whole pandemic. We've heard about, you know, flattening the curve and yes. we, we've heard about gating and social distancing and all that. And, and now this phrase we're hearing a lot about is the new normal. Yes. You know, and what is the new normal going to be? You know, are we not going to shake hands, you know, anymore as a culture, as a society? Uh, you know, are we all going to walk around carrying hand sanitizer for the next several years? What is the <laughs> new normal going to be? You know, and of course, there's yep. a lot of speculation. But in terms of the church, what do you think the new normal is for the modern uh, spirit filled church in North America? I, I think it's like everything else in Scripture. Scripture's a balanced book. Uh, so, you know, the same um, the same Bible that says um, occupy, or that says uh, that, that Jesus could come at any moment, expect the coming of the Lord, you know, right. um, be ready at any moment. It also says occupy until he comes. Right. So the Bible's always a book of balance, you know. Um, and I think the, the balance here is also very, very important. The new normal, I think, on the positive side um, is going to be um, increased revival, uh, an increased desire of many people to get to the house of God. I think some backsliders will be really impacted by this time because their their whole attitude was, well, I can go back to church anytime I want. I can get back to God anytime I want, you know, next week, ne- next month, and I think this has made a lot of people think. So I think the church is going to be poised to to have a, a much greater impact on some of those things. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, that's, that's part of it. But I also think, and this is just being honest as a pastor, I also think I was talking with Pastor Jack, who works closely with me here uh, at CCC. We were talking this morning. And uh, right now, I just read today, um, Ashley Madison, which to our shame is a Canadian based website. Their slogan is life is short, have an affair. So Ashley Madison promotes online affairs. Uh, it's, it's horrendous that a site like that could exist, but, uh, it is exploding with new signups during this time of social distancing. Uh, a twin article to that one this morning, uh, on the same website was, uh, that pornography sites are seeing this incredible boom of subscribers and use, and it's up by, you know, whatever, thousands of hours a day. And so, uh, so being honest, um, I, I think the church is going to have to do some um, repair work when we come out of this. And I, I wish I could say that all that repair work is going to be in all these new people that flood our, our churches. But the reality is, as a pastor, I've got to say, you know, being away when the the Bible says for good reason, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together so much the more as you see the day approaching. The Bible says that for good reason. Uh, Church attendance is so important. There are nearly 60 one another commands in the New Testament. You can't even obey if you're not part of a local body of believers. Uh, Exhort one another, encourage one another, uh, you know, all of those commands, they're based around a local church setting. So that's extremely important. So I think when we come back together, I do think there's going to be this surge forward, especially among the core, the committed it's going to be Pentecostal pandemonium. The first service we have back together in our buildings with everything functioning. I don't care if only one quarter of the church shows up because everybody else is scared to come. We are going to have one incredible time, move of God, worship, fellowship. It's going to be wonderful. And I think the church, the core and the committed will quickly negotiate some of these tensions, you know, shaking hands, laying on of hands, whatever. I, I think once we get back together and and the, the media 
finally stops harping on this narrative of fear and anxiety and panic, I, I think we'll mediate some of that quite quickly. It's the fringe. And churches don't grow from the inside out. They grow from the outside in. And so we're always working with this fringe that are not yet committed, not yet discipled, whatever. My heart really breaks for some of those people during this time, because although you can try to connect with them on Facebook, on social media, that face-to-face, there's a reason God told us to meet together. That face-to-face contact is missing during this time, and I really feel for those people, and I'm concerned. I don't want old addictions to resurface. I don't want uh, people to regress spiritually. And so, you know, so that that sounds like a downer, but it's not. I think you've got two uh, things simultaneously happening, that the core of the church it's going to be this time of incredible uh, Holy Ghost energy. We're so grateful to be back together and be able to do things we haven't been able to do for months. But I also think we need to be on the alert that some people have really struggled in this time. And again, I would say to my Eastwood friends, if that's you, uh, you need to talk to somebody. Even though it's hard to connect during this time compared to normal, you need to reach out to a pastor, you need to reach out to a friend that's in the church. You know, don't don't go down alone. So I'll say one last thing, Pastor, and that's that, you know, that sounds a little negative, except when you read the Word of God, there are two parallel end-time rivers. They're always there. One is a river of end-time harvest, uh, end-time revival, end-time ingathering, and the other is a parallel river of um, apostasy, a great falling away. Uh, Men are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. So these two parallel rivers always coexist and always flow parallel in the end times, and you just got to pick what river you're going to be in, throw yourself in with your whole heart, And so I don't think there's going to be any challenge for the core of the church, but I think the core of the church and all of us as pastors, we need to be on the alert for people that this is really going to break them. Some of them have lost jobs. Some of them have have resurfaced old family issues during this time. You know, you and I, we're loving extra time at home with our families. Some people, it's like it's resurfaced all kinds of heartache and pain. So, Again, I'm not trying to be a a, a negative voice, but I'm trying to be a sensitive voice. I think that's where I am. Yeah. Wow, that's so rich, Brother Woodward. So appreciative of those great words of wisdom. And I know we're we're running out of time, but I would ask you just one last question. Sure. You talk about these two different rivers, two different paths, really, that people can take. Yes. And in closing, what would you say are three things that Christians could do right now that would help them to have a successful outcome as we are trying to emerge out of this pandemic and and we're relating back to what we've gone through and looking forward to how we can be better Christians and, and better husbands and better family members, better friends and all that moving forward. What, what are three things that we could do to ensure that we do not lose this opportunity to spiritually mature and to advance uh, in our relationships with each other as well? What a great question. Um, Number one, lock into God right now. Uh, We have extra time right now. Uh, This is God putting the church in the secret place in so many ways. Uh, So many of us can't go to our jobs. So many of us can't go beyond essential trips into our neighborhoods, into businesses, whatever. Um, So many of us are are working from home or whatever. So your situation has changed, uh, whoever you are. So I think God's signal is very strong. Lock into God. Lock into prayer. Lock into the word. Lock into your Christian disciplines that you know, but sometimes in the busyness of life, they just slide a little bit. So number one, lock into God. Now, number two is counterintuitive. Uh, Lock into your local church and your pastor's heartbeat like never before. You say, well, I don't get to church right now. I can't see my pastor right now. So we've only got online. But we can do this online stuff. We all surf YouTube every day. So give me a break. We can do online. So, you know, what used to be a convenience, an online service, is now your lifeline to your local Mm. church. What used to be a convenience, listening to your pastor's message 
you know, online because you're away with work or, or, or you got busy or somebody was sick and you couldn't get to Sunday service. What used to be an online convenience is now your online lifeblood. And so lock into pastor's voice, pastor's vision, lock into your church like never before. And I would say that includes, uh, number one, faithful attendance to everything online that your church is doing. Don't just kind of put it on like background noise or elevator music. Sit down, gather your family, gather your spouse, sit down, uh, participate in every way that you can. Don't just kind of have it on in the background and be doing everything else. Lock in. And lock into what Eastwind has always been about. Um, you know, yesterday, um, not yesterday, yesterday was Sunday. All the days are the same. They all end in Y and they all blur now through, through social distancing. Uh, Saturday, uh, our mutual friend, missionary Brad Thompson, posted uh, a great need in Guatemala on his Facebook page on Friday night. Um, you know, people are literally starving there. And so it's so pitiful. Uh, if they don't have food, they're putting a white flag outside their home. Mm. And we have many pastors uh, in Guatemala that have no food. And, and Brother Brad said, there's no way one of our pastors is going to go without food in the eyes of his uh, neighbors. There's no way that's happening. So he's taken, you know, thousands of dollars out of his own accounts and his own funds to, to help some of them. But so he just put a simple plea on uh, Facebook on, on Friday night. We, we formed during this time. It's been a good thing for us. Um, a private, uh, CCC members Facebook group. So it's private. It's not out there for the world. So on Saturday morning, uh, one of our teams flagged that request. So we just put on Saturday morning, uh, this is missionary Brad Thompson. Um, you know, he's got a need. Uh, if you can give, just reply with a yes. And, uh, you know, by evening, we've got $8,000 to send to brother Brad Thompson. We haven't announced it to the church yet. That was just the people that happened to belong to this private Facebook group. We did a virtual foyer on Sunday, which was wonderful. People seeing each other. It was the first time we'd done it and little kids and they were so excited. We did a virtual prayer meeting on Friday night. Your church is providing similar things. If you're from East Wind, you've got this wonderful opportunity right now and you've got the time to interact. And I know it's only online. But lock into the, the, the vision of my friend, Brother Myers, and lock into your church like never before. So lock into God, lock into your church. And then finally, um, and this varies, it's different for us than it is for you in Florida. Lock into your family, and if you're allowed, lock into your neighbors right now. Lock into the people that surround you, whatever that circle looks like now. I know it's limited, but, you know, we had, this, this is tearful, uh, pastor on sunday you know we were broadcasting and then we had this virtual foyer after church and our people get on and one of our couples they watch church they have three backslidden children they watch church that morning and um, they put a picture of their kids by their bibles by their ipad or whatever they were watching on on their table and they sat right there with their bibles open and this picture of their kids and Pastor Jack just happened to preach a message on Sunday morning, and he referenced, you know, God bringing kids home or bringing backsliders home. And so they posted online, uh, our kids don't serve God, but they went to church with us this morning. They don't even know. We had church, and we prayed over our kids. And, you know, lock into your family right now. Lock into God. Lock into your church. Lock into your family and lock into your neighbors if you're allowed to do that with all this crazy social distancing. But those are three things that I think really would be important during this time. So good. So good. Pastor, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for your friendship, your kindness, your ministry. Um, Thank you to your great church that allows you to go and be such a blessing to the kingdom of God in so many ways. I just ask, would you mind praying over us as we are dismissing here tonight? I would be absolutely honored. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for my friend, and I thank you for the great church that you have called him and his family to lead. I thank you for all the other leaders that have locked in step with Pastor Myers. I thank you, God, for people that share his heart for that community and for their state and for their nation and for the world. And God, I thank you for every faithful church member that's part of that great church. I thank you for all the East Wind volunteers, and I thank you for all the East Wind saints. 
Jesus, you're doing something so spectacular in that yes. church. And right now, uh, our, our feeling is different. Our circumstances are different, but your plan is not different. Your power is not different. Your calling on us is not different. And so, Jesus, help us all to have the wisdom to figure out what this looks like in our own homes, in our own lives. And I do pray that every church at Eastwind, every house would become a church. Every home would become a yes. little church. And God, when we are allowed to come back together in full form, whenever that is and whatever it looks like, yes. God, I'm praying that you would help us to use this time wisely so we'll have stronger homes and we'll be a stronger church when we get back together. It is all for your glory. Yes. We thank you for your blessings and your calling. And we ask you to let your blessing rest on everybody that watches this particular interview. I thank you for all the small groups that will interact with this. Jesus, use us for your kingdom. We pray yes. it in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Woodward. What a great blessing. And we just ask you now to connect with your your friends and your family and to interact and allow this to be a season of growth, spiritual maturity, and uh, allow it to be a time for us to grow, as the Bible says, in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now may God bless you in Jesus' name. Hey everyone, what an amazing e-connect that we just had. And now we are asking that everybody takes time for themselves and applies this word through discussion. Just as we have made it very important and stressed the importance of us applying the word through prayer. And of course, we still want you to do that. We are now asking that everyone takes time with your family. If you don't have your family with you, maybe call a friend. Call somebody in the church. Text somebody. And let's all apply this word now. Now through discussion. In just a few moments, there's going to be some questions pop up on the screen, and those questions are exactly what we want you to, to discuss about tonight's session. And we are looking forward to hearing all of the great reports about our eConnect. Lord bless.